always great to be here, uh, to be welcomed. Uh, I was welcomed home by some people, and so I thank you for that. feels like home, uh, but don't try to get me to do any chores. <laughs> I, uh, have, I'm just going to share a little bit about what I've been going through in my life and uh, maybe sing you a song, if that's all right. It's a real simple song, so you'll be able to pick it up. But in 2016, in July of 2016, Ron and Carrie Edwards and I did a conference in Dallas, Texas. And since they had never seen the southwest part of the United States, we drove from Dallas, Texas to Reno, Nevada. It was about 1,500 miles. And uh, so we, we went to see the Grand Canyon, and we did all those wonderful things, and uh, and uh, he went in to see a casino. He and Carrie, I'm far too spiritual to go in, you know. But, no. Living in Reno, that's we have slot machines in, in grocery stores and the drug stores and everywhere, so you can't escape it. Anyway, they got to see it, and seeing one was enough for them. But when we got to Reno, which is at very high elevation, it's about uh, 4,500 feet above sea level, uh, Ron started having some heart problems. And his blood pressure shot up, which happens all the time in Reno uh, from people who are not used to the altitude. So we took him to the hospital. They admitted him and kept him overnight. And, and uh, you know, we, we were worried because his blood pressure was very, very high. And so I, uh, I couldn't find a place to get comfortable, couldn't sleep. So I'm wandering around the house, you know, finally made it to a couch. And I'm laying there praying and finally fall asleep about 3 o'clock in the morning. And uh, the Lord gives me this dream. Uh, and in the dream, and I'll try to shorten this, in the dream, uh, I saw what looked like a white building. And I, and I thought, well, I'm, you know, I'm contending to see the church. And this is a church building. And I'm contending to see the church built in Reno. And as I got closer to it, it wasn't a church. It actually was the city of God manifest in Reno. And I knew I was contending to see that city established uh, in that area. And as soon as I realized that, I saw another pastor and his wife. And I had visited their church. I hadn't met them, but I knew who they were and saw that they were contending as well. And uh, the scene changes, and we're inside their church building, and we're praying for the same things. And they turn to me, and they say, why don't you, you know, come and, and work with us and help us? And uh, the Lord spoke to me, and he said, I want you to give the dominion, the authority, and the right to, to do what you do in this area to this pastor. Now, I've ministered on the West Coast from Los Angeles up to Canada for 45 years and uh, planted churches, two churches uh, along the West Coast, and I've helped establish other churches for other people. And so I, I'll be very honest with you. I wasn't happy with what the Lord was telling me. <laughs> and uh, he sent then someone uh, that is a prophet that I have known for many years who has gone on to be with the Lord. And in the dream, he came to me, and he gave me a big smile, looked at me, and he said, you know, the Lord really wants you to do this, Ray. And so <laughs> I woke up from the dream, and uh, I wasn't happy. I mean, I, I really was not happy because you, when God gives you the grace to do what you are called to do, uh, 
there is that grace, and then there is a working in God and qualifying for more grace and laying hold of more faith, and, and there's, it's a lot of work to see the kingdom of God. Believe it or not, you know, people ask all the time, what do you do? I mean, if you're a pastor, what do you do? Just play golf all day? No, that was Andrew. Uh, <laughs> What do you do? And, and, you know, they have no idea the responsibility, the prayer, the faith, the wrestling with things, the, the, the word that you brought about the trials or the prayer that you brought about trials and the difficulties of overcoming. And so 45 years of that to see this area uh, really, you know, come forth in God. And so I spent the day working at submitting, working at surrendering to God. And uh, the next day was my birthday, the 24th. You might want to remember that in case you want to send cards, money, or presents. Uh, and I woke up, and my birthdays are just birthdays. They're not really super special days to me. So, but I woke up with the joy of the Lord. And I thought, okay, he is happy with the fact that I've wrestled this and I have surrendered. And I thought about it for a while, and I thought, well, what do I do now? Do I go talk to this pastor and tell him? that God is giving this dominion to him to, to carry on what I have been doing in that area. What do I do? And so I decided that I would let the Lord kind of work that out. And so six months went by. And in that six months, uh, I received a prophetic word uh, about a new aspect of ministry and new nations and new things that I will be doing. And that was very encouraging. And it happened to be nations that I've been praying for for decades. I mean, 20, 30 years praying for these nations and asking God to give me a place in these nations to bring the gospel. And uh, so a couple that had been in our church years and years ago that we had raised up in leadership uh, were now going on the mission field. They're going in Mozambique, and they're, they're there right now. And they what they do uh, is he's a hydrologists, geologists, and they drill and, and put wells in for villages. And with, I don't know if you've ever heard of Heidi Baker, but they're with her ministry. And the, where she's established churches, they go and drill uh, wells because they have no fresh water. And so uh, they asked me to come to a party of the members of the church that, that they've been going to. And this is the church that is pastored by the couple that I saw in the dream. And so I went, and, uh, and they were there. And so I sat down with, with the pastor, and, and we, we talked. And then he had to go talk with other people, and he came back, and we talked. And, and uh, I said, you know, I had a dream I'd really like to share with you. And so I met with him the following week. And the song I'm going to do is a song that I went in. I have a practice room, and I went into this room and I picked up my guitar because this is this is this was very emotional for me it was it was turning over something it's like something you have labored for and now you're giving it because the Lord has asked you to to someone else who I praise God he's a wonderful guy his wife's wonderful ministry and and uh, but it still it was really it was tough and so this song just came out as I was praying about what I was going to talk to him about. So I'm going to give you this.
Once you hear the, uh, the verse, you can sing with me. All that I am, I give to you. All that I have, I give to you. Thank you for all the love you've shown me. Thank you for all your kindnesses. Thank you for always gently Thank you for letting me serve All that I am I give to you All that I have All that I have I give to you Thank you
Or I can just set this up. I'll just do that. Okay, you can be able to hear me. Do I need to bring it up? Okay, good. I think it's okay. You don't want to hide this face. I mean. <laughs> Thank you. So that precipitated our move back to Texas, which uh, I told the Lord originally that I thought I would never go back to Texas, and he had different plans. So we live in a small town outside of San Antonio, and uh, my wife's brothers and their families live there. So we're six minutes away from each of those families, and while I'm traveling, it gives my wife a lot more security. Uh, she has physical issues, as you know, and so uh, Texas is hot, <laughs> pretty flat, <laughs> but this is a pretty part of Texas, the hill country, so we praise God for that. Well, Father, here we are. we got time to be with you. I do thank you for letting me serve. I thank you that it's a privilege to be your servant. I thank you that it's a privilege to lay down my life. I thank you, Lord, that when I think about people who always say, you know, you're, you're just wasting your life, and I think, well, you know, if I'm wasting my life, then that's a good thing to be poured out like a drink offering. But I can turn back to those that don't know Jesus and if he is really who he says he is, then they're wasting their eternity. Dear God, help us to be people that surrender our lives to live life with you. And I pray for that church in Reno. I pray that it would prosper and grow in that whole area. I pray, Lord, that you would take them further and increase them. And I thank you for them. They're good people and they love you. And I thank you for this church. I thank you for the transition that it has gone through and is going through, and I thank you for the, the, the grace and the growth and the, the life that we experience to get today together. And I pray, Lord, that you would continue that and that you would move by your Spirit. So we come today to hear from you and to meet with you and to, to be people that really are grateful that we have the privilege to know you and to serve you. For there is no one more wonderful than our God. Amen. I have so many things I would like to share with you. Uh, I, I, I thought, I, I guess I should share this with you because it's kind of funny. Uh, when I was praying about this trip and coming, the Lord spoke to me that you weren't going to have a drummer on Sunday. <laughs> and I said, oh, well, I'll volunteer. You know, I don't play the drums regularly. It's not my main instrument by any means. It never has been. I, I played in church for a couple of years, but... Uh, isn't that funny that the Lord prepares that? And then uh, last night when I got to to Stevie and uh, Mary's house, they told me that uh, Josh was going to be gone, so they didn't have a drummer. And I thought, well, <laughs> in my great humility, I'll volunteer. Now, so it's, isn't that a funny little thing that the Lord does? Okay, so now you have to say the drumming was excellent because the Lord sent me to do it. You know, I mean, you know, we, we, I've got you on this one. <laughs> but Steve, thank you for letting me play and the other musicians, you know. 
enjoyed it. Turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, verse 18. And on this trip to Scotland, I, I've asked the Lord, what, did you want me to, what do you want me to say? What, what is it that you want to bring to the church? And you know, the Lord, uh, it's one of those times where in your spirit, you just see the Lord and he smiled and he said with, I don't know how to describe it. It wasn't enthusiasm, but just almost as he relished the moment. And he said, tell them of my glory. And so I want to share with you today about the glory of God. There's lots of teaching on it, and we talk about it coming down and all the things, but I want to talk about it in more personally uh, about the Lord and the glory of His throne and the glory of His person. Because, you know, all the things that we do in life are no different from the things that the world does unless we keep it in the perspective of the glory of God. Because our lives have purpose. They're teleological. They're going somewhere. There's something to be accomplished. We talk a lot in the body of Christ today about us being on our journey. And, and, uh, and there's truth in it. And I think the word talked about this morning that came to us about the different paths and going up the mountain. All these things are true. But underneath all of those things, I think that we have to keep in mind something that Paul said. And he said, this one thing I do, this is in Philippians, I press for the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And he talked about running a race, not just kind of slowly walking. And, he's, and you have to understand the intensity of this man. And I love Paul because in his writings, even though he's, he's at the end of his life, he's in his 60s, and uh, there's still this youthful passion and intensity for God and for the gospel and for the word of the Lord to go forth. And I thought, God, I want my life to have that fire and passion to the very end. Till I take my last breath, I want that fire and passion. And I, and I want to say to you that there are saints who have gone before us who have demonstrated this to the very last breath serving God with love and with intensity and with fire and with worship and with prayer. And their whole lives are centered around these things. And I, 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 I think that, that to be able to do that, you have to know that there is something at the end. Hebrews 11 tells us when it talks about Enoch uh, and, and how he served God and God took him and he says because we have to believe by necessity we have to believe that God is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him and I want to applaud you for the prayer uh, meetings that you have established as a church and I want to encourage you to all turn out to come and pray and you, you, we all need our prayer lives increased and intensified but in all of that if we can see God and we can see the glory of the Lord and we can see that we are called to obtain that glory and that what Paul was talking about in Philippians this prize of the mark of the the mark of the prize the high calling of God in Christ Jesus 
is that we are called to participate in the glory of the throne and the person of our God. We have become co-heirs with him in Christ. Wow. There's something in front of us that is so great. And, and Paul, when he's writing the church at Rome, says this, verse 18 of Romans 8, For I consider that the sufferings of the present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing or the revelation of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Now this is a powerful passage that he says. Now Paul's a man, if you've read the, if you've read the Bible at all, you know that Paul suffered a lot. He was persecuted. He was beaten. He was stoned. He was thrown in jail. He was rejected. He was, I mean, the man went through everything that you can possibly go through on the very negative side of life. And it we read it sometimes as if it was, oh, well, that was Paul, so it couldn't have bothered him. But in fact, those whips going across his back hurt just as badly as a whip going across your back. And the stones that they threw at him and left him for dead hurt just as much as if someone were throwing stones at you. And the rejection that he got from his own brothers and sisters in Christ and from, from the Jews, who he, his own people who he loved intensely, hurt him, wounded him. In one verse he says, if I, could, if I could give up my salvation so that all my brethren could be saved, then I would do it. We thank God that he doesn't let any of us do that. But that's the passion of the man to see people come to this fellowship in Christ Jesus. And I don't know about you, but when I read these things or hear these things, it's, I, I look at it and say, God, I am so far from that kind of passion. I need that fire and passion. I need to see. And Paul, when he prayed for the churches, I, I use this verse all the time because it's kind of the, the verse that God used in my life when I was first called to the ministry in 1971. And it's out of Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. And he says, Your eyes having been opened or enlightened, I pray for you that God would give you a spirit, give you the Holy Spirit of wisdom and knowledge and power in knowing Him, that you could know the hope of your calling, that you could know God's inheritance in you, your value to Him, and that you could know the surpassing greatness of power which he demonstrated when he raised Jesus from the dead and put him above every principality and power and gave him as the head of the body. And I thought that, that really is it. We have to have some revelation. And we're in a day where the body of Christ needs to come into fresh revelation of this one we serve. We're in a day where we need to come and see where we're going. Christianity and the religions of the world and the governments of the world are finding themselves more and more at odds with one another. And there's conflict. 
And we can get frightened from that conflict. We can get upset by that conflict. We might even find ourselves in positions where we don't understand why the government's coming against us or why other people are coming against us, why other religions. But the truth is that we are in a time where we have to stand up and say, I don't think the present suffering is even close to the glory that's going to be revealed. And the trials and the temptations and the difficulties that you go through, they are not even close in, in intensity or measurement of the glory that you're going to experience. But I want to see that glory. I want to know. I want to be brought into the, the council room of God. And I want to hear His voice. And I want to see His face. Don't you? I, I want the reality of it. I want to know that what's in front of me is so great that it's worthy of me running with my whole life and my whole strength to attain. I want to know that God, the God of love, the God of mercy, the God of kindness, the God who's patient, who's incredibly good to us, I want to know, not just know here, but experience, know experientially that He is all those things and will always be those things. And you know what does it? It's when he comes in the midst of the church, like he came today in the worship. We hit that place. When we hit those places in God, in worship, that's where you really, and really you need to do this when you come into the church. I love this church because you guys love each other. And you're always, you know, you're hugging and talking and it's, it's a little fight to get you focused to come worship or, or do anything because you're so busy with each other. You know, that's a, that's a wonderful problem to have. We've instituted whips and all... No. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a great problem to have. But at the same time, what we always have to have in our mind and our heart is we take off our sufferings. We take off our trials. We take off the struggles. We take off to our, the best of our ability our sorrows. And we put on priestly robes. We let God clothe us with His glory. And we come in and we behold His face and we worship Him. And when the Spirit of God comes and He gives us those moments where we're, we're sensing His presence, that more than any other time in the service, you need to be focused and, and involved in worshiping God. Because it's that moment that you're going to find God healing your heart, giving you faith, Encouraging you, strengthening you, healing you, delivering you, giving you promises, and you're going to be beholding His glory. See, that's the nature of worship. We don't just come to sing songs. We come to worship God. We don't come just to sing, be here and sing songs. We come to enter into His presence and sing songs and offer Him praise and glory in the sincere expectation that he's going to come and he's going to dwell in our midst. Turn with me to the book of Revelation chapter 1. It's an easy book to find. And chapter 1 is pretty easy. And we're going to look at two chapters, each verse. Point by... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> 
I had a guy in a church in Dallas, and uh, he used to always say to me, Pastor, you can preach as long as you want, but I'm leaving at 12. <laughs> he was a former pastor, so he thought that was really funny. <laughs> okay. Let, it's so hard not to do this whole chapter because there's so much wonder in it. Um, let's pick it up, verse 9. I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation... Pause. Pause. The church, in the book of Acts, Paul says, in this life we will have tribulation, troubles. Okay? Let's all just, let's just embrace that for a moment. <laughs> life is not, heaven hasn't come yet. It's come here. Christ is in the midst of us, but everything is not hunky-dory. Do you use that term over here? Okay. I hope it means the same thing <laughs> that it means in the States. <laughs> Sometimes it, <laughs> you really get yourself in trouble. Everything is not going to be wonderful in your life in terms of things that happen. And you know that already. Come on. You know it. So let's not pretend that it is. Instead, let's exercise faith and enter into the presence of God and behold His glory and say, God, we are coming. Lord Jesus, we're coming to Your throne in the time where we're struggling, where unbelief's coming in or we want to, we want to give in to sin and we come to Your throne and we come boldly to ask You for grace and mercy in this moment, in this time of need. I mean, that's the context of that passage. That Paul, I mean, the writer of Hebrews, I, I personally think it's Paul, but we don't know. That passage that says we come boldly to the throne of grace to, to, to find grace and mercy in time of need, actually the context is dealing with difficulties and persecutions and problems and struggles. And I want to say to you, when you have problems, the thing you need to run to is the Lord. When you have failed and you have sinned, you need to run to the Lord. You need to stand in His presence. And if He comes with His holiness, you need to say, I'm not going to fear your holiness. I'm going to embrace your holiness. Correct me. And let it be proven that I am your son or your daughter. Because if, if He doesn't correct you, it's just proof that you're not His son or daughter. I'm, I really would rather have other proof, though. <laughs> And it, there is that he pours forth the Holy Spirit into our hearts, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Okay. Am I talking to the right people this morning? Okay. I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. In other words, he was banished there for preaching the gospel. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, and what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. 
Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his feet, girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in the strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, and saying to me, he says, Do not be afraid. I feel like John probably could have said, Too late. <laughs> I am the first and the last. I am him who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. And then he tells him to write the things that he has seen. Now, this is a very interesting kind of exchange with the Lord. Obviously, it's so incredibly powerful that John was overwhelmed. And if, if you study the prophets and the law, you will find much of what he is seeing here and saying was revealed to the prophets. It's also revealed in the law. And so it's like he's taking the, the vision of the Lord Jesus and seeing that he is the fullness and the completeness of revelation of God. Okay? And he's revealing himself. Now, I think you and I, if we had that revelation, would fall down dead too. But the reality is, is that there is something that is so extraordinary in the glory of God. There's something so fantastic in seeing the Lord high and lifted up. Now, I'm just going to tell you this because we're starting to run out of time. But in Revelation chapter 4, we have a revelation of the Father. And it gives us pictures of him, and it gives us the, the uh, cherubim and the 24 elders, and it shows the worship before the throne. And then in Revelation chapter 5, we have a revelation of the Lord Jesus that is a picture of him as he's the investiture of the Lord, as he has been crucified, resurrected, ascended, and is receiving the crown and being made King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's the investiture in Revelation 5. And in that chapter, then you, you see the whole world, all the angels, all the elders, everybody worshiping the Son of God. And throughout the book of Revelation, John has a revelation where Jesus, I gotta stay in front of this, don't I? Comes to John and speaks to him. When you get to Revelation 4 and 5, John is caught up into the council room of God and he is seeing from this perspective rather than this perspective. And what I want to suggest to you is that God comes to us and speaks to us this way, but his goal in speaking to us this way is to produce within us a faith and an appetite and a heart that he can catch us up into his presence. Because when we worship and we're entering into his presence, it may not be as demonstrative as what John saw, but it nevertheless is exactly the same. We're going up into his presence. 
We're going, in fact, Hebrews chapter 12 says, for you have not come to Mount Sinai. You've come unto Mount Zion. You've come to the new Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You've come to the spirits of just men made perfect. You have come to an innumerable company of angels. And I want to tell you that as as grandiose as that may sound to you, the reality of when we worship, that is exactly where we should be going. Because glory is not just a presence of the Lord. It is the majesty of His throne room. It is the emanation of His person. And any time the presence of the Lord descends, it's because the Lord, the King, the, the ruler of heaven and earth has made himself known and we have entered in to his throne room. And it's a place where we come to hear his voice. So what did you, what did you hear this morning as we were worshiping? We had a, a prophetic prayer. We had a prophetic word. We had a, your pastor speaking to us prophetically. What did you hear? If you're sitting there going, oh, I don't know, then you have missed... What needs to happen in your life? You have missed the concept of taking off what's going on in your head and your heart and your life. You have missed putting on robes of righteousness and coming as priests to minister before God and to hear His voice. And so we have to refocus as the people of God. We all want a word, but I believe I'm giving you a word this morning. I believe the song I sang for you, that's a tremendous word in two two aspects. One of surrender and two in gratitude that you had the privilege to serve. So many times in our ministries, it becomes our ministry and we forget that we are servants. Has nothing to do with it being ours. It's a way God has given us grace to serve Him. And so I want to say to you that when you come to church, when you gather with other believers and you sing or you pray, you need to, to, to in your mind if you have to, you need to get the idea that you're going to enter into the presence of God and meet with Him. Now I will grant you that sometimes I have prayed prayers that sound awfully spiritual to me. I felt real good about them. They were powerful. They had a right emotion to it, right flair to it, and God doesn't seem to answer them. And there are times when I've said, oh God, I need real help. And he answers it powerfully. So it's not dependent on your abilities. It's dependent on the sincerity of your heart. And I think... God, come with your grace because I want to behold your glory. I want to see, I want to see that fullness of revelation of who you are that John saw. I want to see that completeness. I want to see it all. I want to to be like Paul and hear things that is not lawful to utter. I want to be caught up and I want you to come in the midst of the church. I've told you stories before. We had uh, we had some ladies in our church that were dancers, and and one lady 
just in a prophetic, really prophetic meeting, the anointing was incredible, and she came down and she was dancing, and she was, it was ballet movements, and what she didn't know is her little daughter, little bitty thing, followed her out. And so every movement that she did, this little girl did as well. And it was, it was not just, oh, isn't that cute? There was something so anointed about it. And I think that as we begin to enter into the things of God and worship God and pray and serve God with that same sense of beauty of His majesty and His glory and the wonder of who He is, our children follow. And they follow right under that same anointing. And I, 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 want, I want the church alive with the glory of God. I don't want to be somebody who complains about my life. Okay? I don't want to be the person that says, well, how are things going? Oh, so many trials. I want to be the one that says, oh, so many victories. I want to be the one that says, Jesus met me. I'm struggling, but Jesus met me, and this is how he met me, and this is how he can meet you. We've got to get a change of thinking. We've got to look at our lives not as something that, man, if, 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 how come God doesn't just fix everything? Well, he's trying. He's trying to start with you. That, that may be the cog that's slowing down everything. <laughs> Fixing you. Getting you to a point where you say, Lord, I don't know why things are happening the way they're happening. But I trust you. God, the things that have happened, have I've had things and so have you that have broken my heart. But I still trust him. Because he is still the glorious God. The wonderful king. The one who is before time still clothed in majesty. And when he created the invisible God steps into time. Steps into revelation of himself and that's why we can say the heavens declare his glory and the earth reveals his wondrous works everything that God does he does it to to give to us a revelation of himself that little girl following her mother out that was just like one of those most poignant beautiful moments I've ever experienced you just think wow God wow and I, I want to encourage you today as a church to enter in. Now, now, worship doesn't and praise doesn't have to be all quiet. And I mean, you know, obviously we sang songs and we really sang. And so don't, don't confuse uh, being quiet and, and, and poignant moments with that being worship and, and shouting not being worship. Because all of those things work together in praising and worshiping God. But the goal is... I don't want to just kind of throw prayers up and hope he catches them. I want to come before his throne. I kind of want to grab his feet. At least the hem of his garment. Right? Okay? And the elders that are up there in the book of Revelation, every time the, 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 they begin to sing, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty, you know what happens from Isaiah 6. Same thing happens in the book of Revelation. They take their crowns off, they get on the ground, and they worship him. See, every time we come before the Lord, 
It doesn't matter what you do for a living, what you've experienced in God. Everything comes off. We put on priestly robes and we come and worship Him. Okay? There's an equality in us in worshiping God. And we bow before Him. And you know what? The Lord is so pleased to come and dwell in the midst of the church. He, is, he just delights to come and do something in your midst. So let's make room for Him. Let's come to meet with Him. How many of you would like to experience the presence of God? Yeah, I think all of us would. How, would you like, how many of you would like to experience more? Yeah. Well, then let's take, an, let's take a new position. Let's give Him more. You know, when the Lord asked Solomon, you know, what is it that you, that you want? It was only after he had sacrificed thousands and thousands, exorbitant number of animals in dedication to God as burnt offerings and consecration. Well, maybe if we give God that consecration and expectation and an and open heart to come and listen to Him and to respond to Him and be able to take what He says to us and then let God use it to heal us and restore us and give us vision, give us overcoming power to do all those things, maybe He will increase that revelation of Himself in our midst. Would that be all right? Father, we thank You. For your grace and your goodness. I thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your tenderness. I thank you that there are no shadows of turning within you. That you are light. That you are holy. That you are spirit. That you are love. That you are merciful. That you are a consuming fire. I thank you, God, for all these different aspects of your person. I ask for an increase in our understanding and revelation and knowledge of following you and serving you. I ask, God, that we would have a new humility of heart, that everything is yours, that the church, you are the head of the church. As, as a pastor said this morning, you will build the church. It's your church. So build it, Lord God, and help us cooperate with you.